All right. It's good to see all of you here this morning. If you would, please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Last week I talked to you about uh, having a vision, having a purpose, a goal in life, and how important that is. And uh, I want to ask you this morning, let me just, how many of, how many missionaries, do we have any missionaries here this morning? <laughs> that was a trick question. Because every born-again believer is a missionary. Amen? Every single one of us have a mission. A missionary is someone who is saved and sent. Now, if you've been saved, then God has a mission for you. That's what we were talking about last week, that God would enable us to be able to see, to have a vision, to know what he has in store for us. It may not be to go to Africa or go to Michigan or, or go to New Orleans or wherever that may, any, some people may go. Uh, it may not be to stand behind a pulpit and to preach sermons. And, uh, but God has a ministry, God has a mission for you. And my question this morning is, can you say, and it's going to be our invitation hymn too, and I pray that it won't be just words to a song that you are singing, I want to ask you this morning, can you say, wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever God leads us, we're willing to go. I want to help you this morning, I think, to be obedient to God. I want to help you take a giant step in that relationship with Jesus Christ because I want to help you to be able to say, yes, wherever he leads, I'll go. Now, some of you that are here this morning have made a commitment to... Try your best to lead someone to Jesus this year. And uh, I don't know how you're doing on that, and I'm not going to ask you. That's between you and God. But some of you have made that kind of a commitment, and others are praying that God will show you what you need to be doing for him. Because I promise you, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, God has a plan for you. Amen? God has a ministry for you. He's got a mission that he wants you to be able to carry out. I want you to be able to say, wherever God leads me, whatever he asks me to do, I'm going to do my dead level best to accomplish that which God's called me to do. Now, if that's going to happen, the first point in this message this morning is that you need to perceive the call of God on your life. Now, we're in Acts chapter 8, and I want to begin reading in verse 26. 
It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. This was the, I guess you could say, the secretary of treasury of uh, the Ethiopian uh, nation. And he had come to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the most holy city, the most uh, religious city in all of the world. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And now he was leaving and he was confused and he didn't really know exactly what was going on. It's, a, it's amazing to me how sometimes people can go to church and they can uh, maybe go often but still be confused about who they are and whose they are and what their relationship with Jesus Christ is really all about. So he was returning and sitting in, I'm in verse 28, was returning and sitting in his chariot and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked him, he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And this, re this is the reason that I think he had gone to uh, Jerusalem in order to worship, but uh, had no true understanding of God, and he was going away a bit confused and not understanding exactly what God wanted him to know. So Philip ran to him and heard him uh, reading from the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Uh, the place in the scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. By the way, this is Isaiah 53. He, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer uh, silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you of whom does the prophet say this? Who, who is he speaking about? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the scripture preaching Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. See, the first thing, if you're going to fulfill your vision, 
if you are going to be the missionary that God has called you to be, if you're going to fulfill that task, that mission that God has for you, you must perceive the call of God on your life. You must perceive the call of God on your life. If you look there again in verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Folks, I've got to tell you this morning, as far as I know, God has never spoken to me through an angel. But I, I throw out this caveat. I said, as far as I know, God has never spoken to me through an angel. But the Bible does teach that sometimes we entertain angels unaware. In other words, there may be an angel that is communicating with you and you don't even know that it is an angel. As far as I know, I've never had that happen, but I don't know that it hasn't happened. You understand what I'm saying? But let me say this. God does speak to us, and God does lead us. God has a plan for our lives. God has a plan for your life. God has a task for you to accomplish. Now, people ask, why, 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 why does God not use me? Well, there could be a lot of reasons for that. It may be that you're just not usable. You know, sometimes God has to uh, work on us and, and build us up so that we're able to do that which he's called us to do. And it may be that you're just not usable yet. Now, this he was talking to Philip. <clears throat> now, you'll remember who Philip was. Philip was one of the original seven deacons, and the Bible says that God, they chose men that were filled with the Holy Spirit, men of God filled with the Holy Spirit that were faithful un, unto the Lord. And, and uh, it, may be, it may be that God doesn't use us sometimes because we're not usable, we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not, uh, uh, we're not able to accomplish yet what God has called us to do. You've got to understand that uh, even God can't fill something that's already full. And if you're full of the world, you understand what I'm saying? If you're full of the world, then God can't fill you with your Holy Spirit. He needs us to empty some of that old stuff, all, some of that worldly stuff. We need to empty some of that out so God can fill us with his Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let, me, let me also say this, that there aren't any empty vessels that God will not fill. If we surrender ourselves to the Lord and seek to empty out that worldliness in our lives, there aren't any empty vessels that God will not fill. And, and, and add this to that, there aren't any full vessels filled with the Holy Spirit that God will not use. Amen? And he wants to use you. He's got a plan for your life. And what we need is sometimes we need to recognize that we need to be surrendered to the Lord. We need to 
spend time with God. Sometimes he doesn't use us because we're not usable. Sometimes God calls us to do things and we just don't recognize his voice. You know, we don't recognize that he's talking to us. He may be talking to somebody else. Sometimes we don't recognize his voice and that's why it's so important for us to spend time with God and to, to be intimate with God. It's so important for us to know God on a deeper level than just an acquaintance or something, someone we talk about from time to time. Now, let, let me give you an illustration. Some of you have called me on the phone and I've had to ask, I mean, nowadays on the, in the cell phones, it usually tells me, but if your number doesn't come up, if it doesn't say it's Roy Fuller on my phone when I start to answer it, I may not know who Roy, Roy is. I, I, I recognize Roy's voice because he's got a very unique voice. Roy. And, uh, but, uh, but there have been times when people have called me and they started asking questions and I had to say, stop and tell me who this is. Yeah, I, I don't know who, this, who I'm speaking to because I haven't talked on the phone enough with that person to recognize his or her voice. Now, now, it doesn't matter even if she tries to disguise her voice. When that young lady right there calls me, I recognize her voice immediately. Even when she tries to disguise, she doesn't do that, but even if she did, I would recognize her voice. You know why? Because I spend time with her. I know her. I've been intimate with her. And she knows me. You understand what I'm trying to say? Sometimes we don't recognize that God is speaking to us because we haven't communicated with him enough to recognize his voice. But I promise you, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he has a plan for your life and he is attempting. He has made it clear that he wants you to know what that plan is to be. God has a mission for you, just like some of you might recognize his voice, but sometimes you may not, and it's usually because we haven't spent enough time with him to understand and to know who he is. God has a mission for us. Now, Philip... He was just an ordinary man. He was a deacon. He was, God used him in a powerful way, but he was just a, an ordinary man. There was nothing uh, special about uh, Philip except for the fact that he loved the Lord and uh, was called according to God's purpose. But God wanted to do something extraordinary uh, through uh, this ordinary man Deacon Philip, God's ways are sometimes unknown and sometimes they are unexplained. If you notice there, it says that uh, 
that uh, now the angel spoke to him, arise and go. He was in Samaria, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. And immediately Philip got up and started on his way on the road to Gaza through the desert. It doesn't say, God doesn't tell him why he wants him to do it. He doesn't say how he wants him to go. It doesn't say what he's going to do once he gets there. He doesn't really even know exactly where he's going. But God just told him, folks, listen to me. God doesn't always have to tell us what he wants us to do or why he wants us to do it. We're to just do it when he tells us to do it. Amen? And uh, if we're going to be a, a, a missionary, if we're going to, if we're going to uh, be able to go wherever he leads, we need to be able to perceive uh, that call. Let me tell you how God works. God can be over here. There's someone over here that has beginning to question and God starts working in his life. His Holy Spirit starts moving in his life and softening his heart. You've heard of the, uh, you've heard of the phrase being hard-hearted and uh, God has uh, sometimes softened our heart and he can be over here working in somebody's life trying to soften their heart and that guy is beginning to to understand and recognize that he needs something to happen in his life and at the same time that God's over there softening that person's life he's over here talking to a believer saying I've got something I need you to do I need you to go over there and he may not tell us why he may not tell us how to get there but he just says get on the road and go down to Gaza and uh, that's exactly what Philip did he got on the road and he starts going to Gaza but see what happens is is that God takes the person that he's working with over here to come to know Christ and he takes the person over here that's already a believer but ha he has a task for him to do and he brings the two together you understand that's exactly what happened with Philip in the uh, trip to Gaza and meeting up with this Ethiopian eunuch. He brings someone into the life of the person that's searching to show him the way. Now, Philip went to, uh, Samaria, uh, to from Samaria to Gaza, and Jesus did the same thing. You remember in Jesus' life, Jesus was going to Jerusalem, and on the way he said, I must go through Samaria. I need to go through Samaria. He didn't tell anybody why he needed to go through Samaria. It's not written anywhere in the Bible. But he had to go through Samaria. Samaria wasn't the easiest way to get to Jerusalem from Galilee. It wasn't the easiest way. But he says, I've got to go through Samaria. You know why he had to go through Samaria? Because there was a young woman at the Jacob's well right outside of Sychar that God was working in her life and God brought Jesus over to Jacob's well to the Samaritan woman so that he might lead her to a faith, a saving relationship with God. 
through Jesus Christ. You remember, you remember that uh, Roman centurion that was uh, in uh, Caesarea, I think it was, and uh, he was he was there. Cornelius was his name, and he was a Roman centurion, and and Paul was up in Joppa, and God talked to Paul and said, "You or Peter." He said, you need to go down to uh, Caesarea because I've got this centurion there that needs to know Jesus Christ. God brings people from different positions and he brings them together that his will might be done. And sometimes, sometimes this task is difficult. Just because God is telling you to do it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. <laughs> Philip was coming down from Samaria into the desert. He was walking along that desert road. It was hot and, and dry. And all of a sudden, this Ethiopian eunuch came by in a chariot. And uh, God tells him to run and catch that chariot. I've never had to run and catch a chariot especially in the desert. But I don't think that would have been an easy task. You know, sometimes people think, well, God couldn't want me to do that. That's too difficult. I mean, I mean, there's no way I could accomplish that. God, God doesn't ask us to do something that he doesn't give us the ability to do. And Philip ran. Don't shy away from something thinking, oh, God couldn't ask me to do that. That's way too hard. There's no way I could do it. That's what, that's what Philip uh, had to do when he ran to catch that uh, chariot. It wasn't, and there are all kinds of barriers, too. I mean, how could I? I mean, I couldn't reach that person. I mean, there are too many barriers. Well, there was an, a, an ethnic barrier. This was an a Ethiopian, and uh, Philip was a Jew. There's an ethnic barrier. There was an economic uh, uh, barrier. This was, he was the, one of the head guys in the government of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. I mean, he, was, he, he had his own chariot. He, he had gone to Jerusalem from Ethiopia just to learn how to worship. I mean, he had an entourage. He, he was a wealthy man. There was an economic barrier. Oh, I mean, he won't listen to me. I'm just a poor, you know, Christian. And there was an etiquette barrier. The guy was riding along in his chariot reading the Bible. I don't know about... Have you ever been on an airplane and taken a book to read and the person next to you just kept asking you questions and talking to you and interrupting you? and all of that kind of stuff. And sometimes you just want to say, would you please be quiet so I can finish my book? I mean, but here, this guy was reading his Bible, and Philip ran up to him and said, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. Do you know what you're reading? Do you understand that? Sometimes God tells us to be bold. He calls us to be bold in our witness for Jesus Christ. Now, 
if we're going to be able to say, wherever he leads, I go, I'll go, the first thing we need to do is perceive the call of God on our lives. And if God calls us to do something, we need to go ahead and do it. We must perceive the call of God. The second thing that we must do is to proclaim the Christ of God. You know, it's easy. It's easy to get people to uh, feed the poor. It's easy to get people to educate the uneducated. It's easy to provide for people that we know that we have need that we know have needs. Uh, we're, we're doing 150 shoeboxes, and uh, and those kids over in Africa, wherever they are, I mean, we see them, and it pulls at our heartstrings. And it's easy to give fifteen dollars to fill up a a, a shoebox so that kid somewhere can have a uh, Christmas present. That's not really hard to do. But see, all of those are good things. It's good to educate the uneducated. It's good to help people build churches. It's good to uh, uh, feed the poor. It's good to do all of those things. But we do them all as a means to an end. And let me tell you what the end is. That we might have an opportunity to share the gospel. Amen? That we might have... It, it does no... I mean, it doesn't do anybody any good to... Oh, well, here's $5. Go get yourself a hamburger. I don't know where you get a hamburger today for $5, but, but here's $5. Go get yourself a hamburger. And... Oh, we walk away and say, oh, I've done something really good. How much more would it mean if we were to take that $5 and say, here, I want to give you $5 to go get yourself a hamburger, but let me tell you why I'm doing this. It's not just because you're hungry. It's because I want to share with you that I know a person who can satisfy your hunger forever. This hamburger, this hamburger will satisfy it for a couple of hours. But I want to introduce you to a person that can satisfy your hunger forever. And that person's name is Jesus Christ. We need to proclaim the gospel. What did Philip do if you look there in verse 30? So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said to him, Do you understand what you were reading. And he said, how can I unless someone guide me? And, uh, and Philip said, let me share with you what all of that means. Do you understand? Let me share with you. See, folks, listen to me. Do you know what our job is as believers in Jesus Christ? Our job is to make clear the gospel. It's to make clear the gospel. When I stand up here and preach, it's not my job to try to confuse people and use great big words and, and all of these wonderful theories and all of that kind of stuff and people walk out of here and say, what was he talking about? That's not my job. 
my job is to take this book and make it as easy to understand as I can. That's what my goal is. And every time, sometimes I, I accomplish that goal, sometimes I don't. But the goal of every message that I preach on Sunday mornings or any time that I preach is to make clear the gospel, to make clear the gospel. Do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless someone guides me? Folks, listen to me. It's very easy to make clear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes people are so afraid that to witness to somebody because they think they'll get so confused and, and would not do a good job. Making the gospel clear is one of the easiest tasks that you ever be given. There's three things you need to know to make the gospel clear, to make a gospel presentation. And that's what Philip does in this passage here. The first thing he wanted them to do was to show that uh, Ethiopian eunuch that he was a sinner. We've got to let people, you'll never get saved until you realize you need to be saved. Amen? And, uh, and, and, and what he did, see, he's, he was reading from Isaiah 53. Now, it starts right here uh, in verse, let me see here, what verse? Verse 7 and 8, those are the verses that... that but in verse 6 of Isaiah, which he had already read, uh, it says, uh, oh, what is it? All we like sheep have gone astray, and every man has turned to his own way. And, but God hath laid upon him the, the, the iniquity of us all. And, and so he understood that he was a sinner. And there, there are two types of people that come to church that are the hardest to get to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Two hardest types of people to lead to Christ. The first one are those who think that they are too good to need to be saved. That they're just too good to need to be saved. The second kind is the, those who think that they are so bad that they can't be saved. And folks, listen to me. Listen to me. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person in this room this morning has sinned. Whoever, it also teaches, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what we need to do is that we need to help people to understand that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? That means I've sinned. That means you've sinned. That means all of us sinned. The second thing in sharing the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. And that's what verses 32 and 33 is all about. It's talking about the death of the one who was coming, the, the, the Messiah. And that's the heart of the gospel. Now, folks, listen to me. Do you understand do you, is there anyone here that doesn't understand this morning that God loves you? If you've had any question about that, 
let me share with you today that God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you on Calvary's cross. That's the heart of the gospel. We need to let people know that God loves them and cares about them. Best illustration. And I've used this illustration here before, but I think it's the best illustration that I've ever given. And so I want to I wanna do it again. This hand represents me, okay? This hand represents me. This hand represents Jesus. I don't know if you can see it, but there's a light right here. Let's say that light represents God. Here I am. I want to get to God. That's what that Ethiopian eunuch went to Jerusalem for. He wanted to get to God. But there's something called God's record book of sin. Do you know that God knows every single thing that you've ever done? That he's written it down in a book. God has a record book of sin. Let's say this is the record book of sin for Clayton Russell Clemens. That's me. All right? If it really is me, it must be in microfilm because there's a lot of sin. All right? Let's say I'm wanting to get to God no matter how hard I tried, no matter how... If I was tall enough, I'm not nearly tall enough. I'm not even sure that anybody in here is tall enough. But if I was tall enough, this record of my sin would always separate me from God. I never would be able to, to touch God because this record book of my sin would always stand between me and God. But in Isaiah 53, it says, All we like uh, sheep have gone astray. Every man has turned to his own way. But God hath laid upon him, upon Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He laid, he took my sin and laid it on Jesus, and that leaves me free to be one with God. You understand? See where I'm coming from? That's what God did, and, uh, and that's what God calls us to do, to do for others. He wants us to be able to share with them exactly about his love and how he's called each of us. There was a, there was a story I read one time about a cleaning woman, and, and she was from another country, and she wasn't very educated, and she was cleaning an office for, for this uh, uh, very wealthy businessman. She worked for some company that went in and cleaned office buildings, and she was cleaning, and every time she came in to clean, she would always be singing hymns. And he says, why are you always singing? And he said, and she said, because of the grace of God, because I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and he's put a song in my heart. And he said, he, he said, God's put a song in your heart? And she said, yes, he's put a 
song in my heart. And he said, how did he do it? And she said, she said, well, because he saved me and he forgave my sins. And she said, he said, well, tell me what it's like to be saved. And she looked at him and she kind of had a puzzled look on her face. And she said, I really don't, I don't know if I can explain it. But it's almost like if I was standing in his shoes and he was standing in mine. I said, man, that's a good, that's a good explanation. Because Jesus, Jesus comes and lives within us. And that's how he puts that song in our lives. But, but if, we're going to be, if we're going to be witnesses for Christ, if we're going to go wherever uh, uh, he leads us, we need to understand how to share the gospel. And, and what he did was he made sure that Ethiopian eunuch knew that he was a sinner. And he also made sure that God's son, Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah, died for his sin. The third thing that you need to know if you're going to share the gospel, is that salvation is by grace. If you look there, what did I do with my glasses? If you look there in uh, Acts, in verses uh, uh, 36 and 37, it says, Now, as they went down to the road, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Seeing here is water, what hinders me to be baptized? And then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. See, it's that simple. You can teach someone that uh, if they are willing, if they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that God raised him from the dead, if they believe that with all their heart, then they can come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. See, that's what the gospel is all about. It's not about what we do or what we have done, but it's about what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. And if we believe that and, and are willing to receive that truth into our lives, then we can be saved. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because that's the power of God unto salvation. Remember when Paul and Silas were in that Philippian jail and that jailer said to them, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Didn't say that you have to uh, read the scriptures every day. It doesn't say that you need to pray 30 minutes every single day. It doesn't say that you have to walk on broken glass. It doesn't say that you have to be a missionary. It doesn't say that you have to do anything except believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, know that God raised him, that he died for our sins and that God raised him from the dead. Now, the last thing, let me go on to point three. You must practice, not only perceive the call of God and proclaim the Christ of God, you must practice 
the commands of God. If you look there in verses 38 and 39, so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went away rejoicing. Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch that day, and that's part of it. The Great Commission tells us, he commands us. He, he's talking to, to preachers. He's talking to those. He said, he said, go share the good news, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He commands us. See, that baptism is that New Testament confession uh, uh, of your faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, he wasn't baptized to be saved. Nobody is baptized to be saved. As a matter of fact, you have to be saved to be baptized. I've had to rebaptize people many times through the years because they came to me and said, Pastor, I was baptized when I was seven years old, but I understand I didn't know Jesus then. I wasn't really a Christian. I didn't come to know Jesus until I was 27 or whatever it was. And they asked me to baptize them again because that first baptism is just like going into a, a, a swimming pool or, a, or your bathtub or, or whatever. It didn't mean a thing. You've got to be saved before baptism means anything because what it's saying is that I'm putting my faith, I'm putting my life into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, then there's no reason to be baptized. But if you know Jesus, if you've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you need to follow the Lord in baptism. See, that's part of it. Not only, not only are we to, to uh, perceive the call of God, not only are we to, to, what's the second point? Proclaim the Christ of God, but we also need to obey. We need to practice the commands of God. We need to let Jesus reign in our hearts. I don't know if there's anybody here this morning that needs to know Jesus Christ. If you do, I ask you this morning, come and let me share with you the good news, the gospel. I just shared it, but let me, I'll do it again. Let me share with you the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ and lead you in a prayer, simple prayer, just saying, God, I believe you. I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know if I were to die tonight, I'd spend eternity in hell. But I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian. And God, I promise that I will do my best. Not be perfect, but do my best to live for you from here on. That's not hard. Listen, the gospel is simple enough that a little child can understand it. But it's also, it's also difficult for some of the smartest minds in the whole world. 
to not understand it because they let their minds get in their way instead of just letting their heart deal with the issue. What, what is it that somebody says the difference between being lost and saved is 18 inches? Distance from here to your heart? You get it all caught up in your mind and you can't get past that. So what Jesus wants, he wants your heart. He wants to be in your heart. And uh, that's what it means to come to know Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you again. I'm going to ask you again. How many, I don't, I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many missionaries do we have? If you're a born-again believer, God has a mission for you. If there's anybody here that needs to know Jesus, come. If there's anyone here that needs to follow the Lord in baptism, be obedient. Be obedient. Do what God says do. Go ye therefore into all the world, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what we're all about. I'm just asking you. I'm asking you. If you hear the call, would you respond to him today? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for all that you do in our lives day by day. I thank you for each and every person here this morning. And I pray, God, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of people Father, help us to hear you speaking to our hearts. God, give us courage. Give us conviction. Father, give us a calmness of spirit that we might be obedient to your word. We thank you for this. We just ask your blessings. Go with us now, Lord, into this time of invitation and have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name.